Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying only on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children. Music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes.
Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm your host Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. If you'd like to contact the show tonight, you can email us at rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. You can also find us on social media, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings, and on Twitter at tst underscore underscore radio. Our website, www.thesecretteachings.info. You can find my books and our free show archive. Listen and download the shows for free or search for the show on any radio or podcast player. You can also listen there for free. If you're a subscriber of the show, thank you so much for supporting us. You can resubscribe on the website or go to aftermath.media and become a new subscriber. You get a lot more than just my show with the premium subscription. You also get Clyde Lewis's Ground Zero and a lot of other goodies. Aftermath.media is the place to go for that. I hope that you enjoyed last night's show. I did get some positive feedback on social media and in email about last night's show. I know anytime someone hears a show about, or if you tune in for a second and you hear us talking about, say, the food industry, I know that turns a lot of people off. But more and more, people are, I think, from my experience here in radio, are interested in those things and realizing that food companies don't care about what goes into the food that they sell you. In fact, not only do they not care, but they intentionally put toxic, poisonous, dangerous things in your food and in your beverages. And not only do they do that, but they also use psychology to market things to you, to advertise to you in ways that are extremely, exceptionally deceptive. And I find the food industry to probably be one of the biggest rarely told conspiracies. That's why I called the show last night the greatest conspiracy rarely told. And it really is that because if you want proof of conspiracy, if you like conspiracies and finding the truth, you can find it in your pantry. You can find it in your kitchen cabinet. You can find it in your refrigerator, your freezer. That's where the real conspiracy is. You know, I keep hearing about how cows and plants are going to be injected with mRNA technology. And I keep hearing that because people are still concerned about the COVID-19 shots. Rightfully so. You should be concerned. Those shots are not killing everybody that gets them. Uh, I know a lot of people disagree with me on that. I find that to be preposterous. Those shots are also not um, responsible for all of your illnesses, all of your diseases, all of the things that make you sick. Just like a virus is not responsible for all those things, a shot is also not responsible for all of those things. I'm not saying they can't be dangerous, but they're not responsible for problems that you've created or problems that have, unbeknownst to you, been created and cultivated over uh, a decade, two decades, over a lifetime. So we're so concerned about invisible particles. We're so concerned about vaccines and people shedding on us. We don't seem to have much of a concern culturally for the things that we consume, the things that we eat, the things that we drink, etc. And companies, big companies and small companies alike, have engaged in, I would say, extreme psychological warfare to convince us that it doesn't matter what we put into our bodies because we can just exercise, it'll go away, calorie in, calorie out. as a giant misnomer, an erroneous, uh, unscientific uh, piece of information that we've allowed to 
uh, gestate in our culture for generations. Just calorie in, calorie out. Nutrition doesn't matter. Doesn't matter at all. And, you know, when you compare the food conspiracy to all other conspiracies, there's really just, there's more than just the conspiratorial angle to it. Uh, For example, you hear people say that there are all these mass shootings in America. And you have to ask the question, what exactly is a mass shooting, right? What is a mass shooting? It's when more than four people get shot. And the people that say, oh, there's all these mass shootings, they always seem to neglect to mention that those shootings are gang-related, that they are self-inflicted, that they are suicide-related. And because of the gang relations, they're largely drug-related. And they largely take place in areas where there are little police and in areas where there are usually a large population of black folks, like in Chicago, where black folks are terrorized by people who have guns illegally. That all seems to get left out of the equation. It's the same thing when it comes to uh, abortion. Everybody wants to talk about abortion being an issue of health care or women's rights or abortions, one of those issues where if you don't agree with one side, then you must hate God or you must hate women or whatever the case is. But abortion is more complicated than that because the drugs that they give you to chemically abort uh, what might become a full-grown baby, those drugs are used for other things, as we've discussed and documented on this show. Those drugs are also used for things like Cushing syndrome. And that means that if there's ever a block or a stoppage, uh, a halting of approval for one of those abortion drugs, it loses companies like Corcept Therapeutics and Danco, which manufacture uh, this particular, quote, abortion pill. It loses them hundreds of millions of dollars, not because of abortion. They want you to think that they're so virtuous, that they're so grand in their intentions, positive in their intentions. But really, it's about making hundreds of millions of dollars selling those drugs to people for problems and conditions that could be solved in much safer and much, much cheaper ways. I mean, you take one of these abortion pills for Cushing syndrome, they charge you upwards of $500 per pill. Some people with Cushing syndrome have to take three pills a day. That's $1,500 a day. The average person with Cushing syndrome that takes that abortion pill drug, it is literally $180,000 a year. Who do you think benefits and pays for that? The person taking the drug doesn't benefit from it. The company that makes the drug and, and charges $500 a pill benefits from it. Just like the, the, the EpiPen, uh, the EpiPen scandal. Thousands and thousands of percent over what the thing should have cost because of greed and fake degrees from the University of uh, West Virginia University. I mean, it's just everything you look at. It's like everything is, is a scam run by David Wilcock or Corey Good. Everything is a lie. Everything is distorted. Everything is backwards. I mean, take banking, for example. We did a show last week called Den of Thieves, a really good show. I think it turned out well. And we talked about on that show how it's just very convenient that when a couple of smaller, quote, banks go under, that everybody decides to move their money to bigger banks because we can trust the bigger banks. We can trust them to be honest. We can trust them to not deceive, not to manipulate. I guess everybody forgets Wells Fargo's con of creating fake accounts, moving people's money around, opening accounts in people's names when they didn't authorize it, opening credit cards in people's names without authorization, 
opening insurance policies in people's name without authorization. All of that came from the top down in Wells Fargo. But because the New York Times and the Washington Post and their infinite wisdom tells us, hey, everybody really just wants to take their money and put it into a big bank because they can't trust the small banks, I guess people believe that. And whether they believe that or that's just made up in the media, uh, over the weekend, Reuters reported that J.P. Morgan is amassing major deposits as customers move their money to the largest bank because they're concerned with the collapse of smaller banks. Reuters says that J.P. Morgan Chase & Company reported a surge in deposits in the first quarter as the sudden collapse of two U.S. regional banks in March drove customers to move their money to bigger lenders. The largest U.S. lender gained $50 billion in deposits at the end of March. Its first quarter earnings report showed. That compares to Citigroup, Inc., where deposits were largely flat. There's also a decline, thankfully, at Wells Fargo, one of the most corrupt banks in the world. But people are moving their money to J.P. Morgan. That's the same J.P. Morgan that sunk the Titanic and killed off any potential competition or any kind of uh, resistance to the Federal Reserve Act. That's the same J.P. Morgan that originally invested in Bitcoin. Yeah, did you know that? J.P. Morgan invested in Bitcoin. J.P. Morgan pushes Bitcoin because J.P. Morgan benefits from Bitcoin because J.P. Morgan, just like all these other banks that are secretly behind the cryptocurrency, doesn't matter how much money you made off of it, great. You can consider that a, an economic or cultural payoff for your stupidity. J.P. Morgan and these big banks own the cryptocurrencies. I don't care what you think about it being independent. It's not independent. It convinces you. It tricks you. It manipulates you. It lies to you so that you'll accept a digital currency. In the same way that the pharmaceutical companies got you to stop protesting against them and demand that people take those drugs or they lose their jobs. In the same way the biotech companies got you to stop protesting against them by convincing you that if you don't eat their products, the whole world is going to fall apart and everybody's going to starve to death and die. It's the same way that the big banks convince you to stop protesting them because we need the big banks and we need digital currency because paper money is dirty and could spread disease. It's one big con game. North to south, west to east, everywhere you look, everything you interact with, it's a big con game. You think it's a coincidence that 18,000 cows were killed recently in an explosion at a Texas, a Texas dairy farm? You think that's a coincidence? That a fire broke out, it spread so quickly through the holding pens where all these cows are, of course, trapped and kept imprisoned, waiting to be milked. You think that's a coincidence that fire spread so quickly it killed tens of thousands of cows? Is that a coincidence? I, I, I don't think that's... I have a hard time believing that's just by chance considering all of the other food manufacturing, food processing, food distribution facilities that have gone up in flames or had planes crash into them or exploded or a combination of one or the other. All the trains that have derailed much more than the average number of derailments a year of the chemicals that are lit on fire and put into the water supply, into the air. But the EPA doesn't care. Climate change activists don't care. Environmentalists don't care because it's not CO2 because the people there have a different skin color or they vote a different way. All the alternative energy facilities like in Florida that have exploded and gone up in flames. Or perhaps the general sabotage of not only industry, but infrastructure. All the billions that are supposed to go into the Build Back Better 
that didn't go to build back better, bridges, tunnels, roads collapsing. Where do you think that money went? It didn't go to fixing those bridges, roads, and tunnels. Same thing in individual cities. Here in Tucson, Arizona, we have taxes that apparently people were like, yeah, we want more taxes uh, to fix the roads. If you live in Tucson, you ever been to Tucson? Did they fix the roads? They have not fixed the roads. That tax has been in place for like five, six years or so. They haven't fixed the roads. They just keep bringing in the money. And where does that money go? It disappears. It doesn't go to roads. Build back better money doesn't go to building back better unless you're talking about a foreign country run by Nazis. 18,000 cows die in a Texas explosion. You think that's a coincidence? I don't think so. It's not a coincidence at all. It's intentional. It's staged. Here's another story. Pope slams insinuations against John Paul II. Baseless accusations, he says. Pope Francis on Sunday publicly defended St. John Paul II, condemning as offensive and baseless insinuations that have surfaced about the late pontiff. In remarks to tourists and pilgrims in St. Peter's Square, Francis said he was aiming to interpret the feelings of the faithful worldwide by expressing gratitude to the Polish pontiff's memory. What are these accusations? Well, what I've told you and what many others have told you, the Vatican media apparatus described the same insinuations as slanderous that the uh, former pope, the former former pontiff, was going out looking for underage girls to have sex with. That's Associated Press reporting that. I guess it's such a an accusation that the Pope and the current Pope and the Vatican's media outlet, the media apparatus, had to actually comment on it and say this is this is slanderous. Of course, the Pope doesn't do things like that. He's a he's a good person. Yeah. John Paul II going out looking for underage girls. Not just girls, but underage girls. I'm sure he was a great guy. I'm sure, just like Pope Francis, I'm sure Pope Francis is a a great guy. He's a great Jesuit who totally demolished every cornerstone of the Catholic faith, and Catholics still latch on to him because he's their symbol. He's their connection to God. They're so faithful. Everything you look at, everything you interact with, it's, a, it's like everything is a distortion of reality. I mean, you, I, I read an article from the New York Times over the weekend. Uh, it was about a Syrian, uh, what was he, like a refugee or something? He had been at Guantanamo Bay reportedly. And it was about uh, the governor of Florida. And uh, the article said, uh, so-and-so, the Syrian refugee, he, he believes that Ron DeSantis shouldn't be president. He's not qualified. He was a mean person. And then you read the article and it says he was accused of doing these things like forcing people who were on hunger strike to eat. And that's just so mean. And that's a violation of human rights. And that's terrible that DeSantis did that. But then when you read, continue to read the article, it actually says, but DeSantis didn't do those things. This guy from Syria just didn't like him, said he was mean, didn't give any reason why. And that's why he shouldn't be president. Because most people read the headline. Most people read maybe the first paragraph and that's it. So how can we tell what is real? How can we tell what is reality? How can we tell what is, what is factual? What is, what, 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 how, how can we determine the, the proper course of action when we're faced with this much deception, this much lying, this much manipulation? I mean, here's, here's another one. Planned Parenthood communications director has committed suicide. Why? 
Well, because an investigation was launched into child pornography after there was a raid on his apartment. This is, to be clear, the former director of strategic communications at the Southern New England branch of Planned Parenthood killed himself because he was under investigation. And this guy was, um, uh, I think he was a younger individual too, Uh, 30-something maybe, 36. He killed himself because the police were investigating him for child pornography. I mean, if you kill yourself because you're under investigation for child pornography, you're probably guilty. You're probably guilty. And, you know, I I mean, I I try to really stay away from from news because ultimately everything I've just shared with you, if I just ignore all that, life really isn't that bad. Outside of the the walls of where where you live, where I live, even in the city, where you live or the city where I live, things really aren't that bad. And so maybe the mainstream and alternative media is engaged in, in, in a conquest of, you, of the perception that you have of reality. They intend to convince you that the reality that they create and craft is what's actually happening in the world when it might not actually be the case. Of course, people are involved in child porn. Of course, powerful people go out prowling for young girls to molest. Of course, big banks are engaged in the conspiracy to steal wealth. Of course, 18,000 cows dying. That's not a coincidence. That's called sabotage. That's not an accident. That's called sabotage. Of course, these things happen. But we have to put them in context with our quality of life today. Is our quality of life better today? Is, is, is the world better today than it was 10 years ago? How do you describe, how do you define better? I mean, these are all things we have to think about. And I think that's really what it means to be objective uh, about reality and not to just believe left-wing media, right-wing media, or for that matter, alternative media. But I think we believe in all of those media sources so much that We have been conditioned and convinced and manipulated and we've had our perception of reality distorted to the point where even if it's just entertainment, movies and TV, etc. The oldest tactic in the book of divide and conquer has made itself uh, very well known, especially just in the last decade, where we're not fighting with big corporations. We're not fighting with big banks. We're not fighting with biotech or pharmaceutical companies or really even political parties. We're fighting with ourselves. And we're fighting with the people uh, that are the closest to us. We're fighting with each other about politics, about abortion, about religion, about uh, you know who the president is, as if that actually matters. The president's just an executive. I mean, Congress matters a lot more than the president matters. We argue about things that don't affect us and probably won't affect us. Uh, my friend Joseph Lavelle, he's pointed out to me, and he's completely right, that as much as we're concerned about the Great Reset, the Great Reset isn't affecting us as Americans like it is Europeans. Europeans have much more to be worried about, much more to be concerned about than we do. But that doesn't stop alternative media from cramming it down your throat. Because ultimately, what this is all about is ratings. It's about profit. It's about controlling the narrative and controlling perception. 
And alternative media does the exact same thing. They control the narrative and they control perception. And part of that perception, part of that narrative, either way you slice it, is an extreme viewpoint. Because if one party or one viewpoint is extreme, it feels that the only way to counter it is with the same extremism. So you have people that believe that abortion, um, or, I mean, for that matter, sexual relations in general, you know, should be totally restricted until you're married and have a house and have had a job for two to three years. Then you can engage in sex for the first time. I find that to be kind of extreme, but people actually believe that. And that's fine. If that's what they believe, I have no issue with, with people believing that. That's their belief. That's their faith. But on the other side, you have this idea that sex should be something that even little kids enjoy. Little kids could enjoy sex. Not only could they enjoy sex, but adults can have sex with them. If you're in the state of California and you're 20 years old, you can have sex with a 10-year-old legally. Within 10 years of your age, as long as they're within 10 years of your age, it isn't pedophilia. It isn't statutory rape. It's just love, they call it. There's more than that, though, because now even the World Health Organization, the World Health Organization, you think of all things, the WHO has better things to deal with, but the UN, it, it would seem from their, from their own writings um, that uh, international legal experts working for the Geneva-based International Commission of Jurists, uh, along with a, a number of other groups, uh, human rights groups, etc., uh, reported in a report called The Eight March Principles for Human Rights-Based Approach to Criminal Law, Prescribing Conduct Associated with Sex, Reproduction, Drug Use, HIV, Homelessness, and Poverty. And the report from this group, these groups, there's several groups, basically the World Health Organization, the United Nations. Uh, I think it's more so the United Nations and the World Health Organization, but they're involved because of the HIV and all that. Uh, the report calls for offenses pertaining to sex, drug use, HIV, sexual and reproductive health, homelessness, and poverty to be decriminalized. The document does not offer a suggestion for age of consent, but states that sexual conduct involving persons below the domestically prescribed minimum age of consent to sex may be consensual in fact, if not in law. This is actually what the UNAIDS and the Office of the National uh, or the United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights says. Sex with minors should be decriminalized. All drug use, decriminalized. Sexual and reproductive health issues, i.e. abortion, decriminalized. Homelessness, decriminalized. Poverty, decriminalized. I think people misunderstand that there's a difference between criminalizing homelessness and refusing to allow humans to sleep on the street in feces and garbage and needles in their arms. We have a right as a society to pick those people up and to help them not to encourage that behavior because this encourages homelessness. This encourages abortion. This encourages underage sex. This encourages drug use. What kind of society would promote and encourage those things? A sick society. And you know that society is extremely sick, extremely ill. When they tell you that trying to help people that are homeless, trying to help people that are having issues with drugs, trying to help uh, you know people get out of bad situations uh, with life or with sex or with whatever that, that, that you're an evil person for trying to help them I mean that's really the work of the devil I would say 
I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More on that UN report when we come back from break. Don't go anywhere. You don't want to miss the rest of tonight's broadcast. Stay with us. From para-history and the paranormal to the parapolitical and para-occult, you're listening to The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings. You know you can listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Radio. I don't need it. Or in the free archive on our website, thesecretteachings.info, or on any radio or podcast player or application. I don't need it. But you can also subscribe to our ad-free archive, now hosted by Aftermath.media. Definitely don't need it. There's the basic and premium option. You get the montages, my digital books, and more. For those of you who already have a Secret Teaching subscription, you can still keep that subscription. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.com. Info or aftermath.media and subscribe today. I need it! If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana? Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir. Or if that's not enough, check out Good Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings, but most importantly, it supports you. Hello folks, this is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows with your host, Ryan Gable. I hope you find it enlightening. listening to the secret teachings radio i'm your host ryan gable a recent report called the eight march principles for human rights based approach to criminal law prescribing conduct associated with sex reproduction drug use hiv homelessness and poverty that's a mouthful calls for the removal of any kind of criminal uh, offense any kind of criminal charge etc relating to sex with minors, drug use, HIV, sexual and reproductive health, i.e. abortion, homelessness, and poverty. They want all those things to be decriminalized. That report comes from a group of international legal experts working for the Geneva-based International Commission of Jurists, the ICJ, uh, UNIDS, U-N-A-I-D-S, the Office of the United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights, the OHCHR, And they got together and they put this report together. And again, it includes sexual conduct involving persons. This is a direct quote from Principle 16. Sexual conduct involving persons below the domestically prescribed minimum age of consent 
to sex, that that person might have actually consented, even if it's not in the law. The report further suggested that lawyers, judges, and law enforcement should take into account the rights and capacity of persons that are 18 years of age to make decisions about engaging in consensual sexual conduct and their right to be heard in matters concerning them. Now, let's be clear. This is not about a 17-year-old engaging in sex with uh, another 17-year-old. This is not about an 18 or 19-year-old engaging in sex with uh, a girl who's two years younger than him. This isn't about that. This is about a 10-year-old having sex with a 25-year-old. This is about the California law that allows for sex between a minor and an adult so long as they are within 10 years of each other. And I think that anybody in their right mind would recognize that this is sick, that this is evil. And this is an international group of legal experts that are promoting this, that are advocating for this. It says, quote, pursuant to their evolving capacities and progressive autonomy, persons under 18 years of age should participate in decisions affecting them with due regard to their age, maturity, and best interests, and with specific attention to non-discrimination guarantees. So suddenly, world legal, legal experts want to allow young people to do, I guess, everything from be able to rent a, a motor vehicle, to drive, to buy cigarettes, to drink alcohol, to take hormones, have irreversible surgeries, all those things. Because if you're under 18, you clearly have had all the experience in the world. You clearly are intelligent enough. You've been educated enough to make all those decisions. What I find creepy is it's always a bunch of weird kind of sexually obsessed adults who tell us that they want children to be able to make these decisions for themselves. In other words, they want to completely eliminate the rights of parents globally. No parent has any right to their child. A child should be able to decide if they smoke cigarettes, if they shoot up with heroin, if they live on the streets, if they have random sex, if they get pregnant, if they get an abortion. It should always be the child's decision. Because, the, you know, the child always knows when they want to be a firefighter or they want to be a, a police officer or they want to be an astronaut or a princess or a superhero. They can be. Just put them in a Superman outfit, throw them off the roof. They want to be a cowboy, put them on a horse, let the horse go. They don't need to learn how to do anything. They don't need to, to learn uh, the dangers of things in life. They just should just do them. The kid wants to smoke cigarettes, smoke cigarettes. That's their body, their choice. And this is, the, this is the problem that I have with the concept, with the idea of my body, my choice. My body, my choice is another version of do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Now, I know that the rest of that statement is and, 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 and love is the law. But what exactly is love? Is love sex, drugs, and uh, promiscuity? Is love uh, the flower, child, flower, power movement pushed and promoted by intelligence agencies and drug dealers? What exactly is love in that context? Do what thou will. Do what thou will. That is my body, my choice. It's just another version of it. 
my body, my choice. See, here's the issue I have with my body, my choice. My body, my choice means that I can do anything I want with my body. I can smoke cigarettes because it won't benefit the cigarette companies. It's not about making money and getting a larger group of people to purchase my products. It's not about expanding my base of customers. No, not at all. If I want to get hormones or puberty blockers or go get irreversible plastic surgery, which is just basically allowing myself to be butchered by psychopaths with scalpels and other sick, disgusting, and uh, barbaric practices and uh, instruments. If I want to do that, that doesn't benefit the doctors and the nurses. They're just trying to help me feel comfortable in my body. Those hospitals won't make any money off that. My body, my choice. Well, then by that definition, if it's your body, your choice, you should have a right to do anything with your body. Anything. Anything in the world, right? That's what they're arguing. You could do anything with your body. So that means if you can do anything with your body, if you're a man, you should be able to find any woman on the street and rape her right there on the spot. It's your body, your choice. And this is not hyperbole. This is what these psychopaths are arguing for. My body, my choice. Because a kid obviously can make decisions on their own. A kid obviously should be able to smoke cigarettes and to take hard drugs and to drink alcohol. A kid should be able to get high on things that are not just sugar and processed flowers and candy and soda. A child should be able to get high on whatever they want to get high on. It's their body, their choice. A child should be able to have sex with whoever they want, even if it's that 40-year-old pedophile that lives next door who's a registered sex offender. Because if they want to have sex with your kid, well, that's okay. That's love. They can do whatever they want to do. And if you disagree with them, if you resist them, you're not allowing them to have bodily autonomy. This is really, really raw, pure evil is what it is. If it's your body, your choice, you can do anything with your body, right? And that brings me to the issue, not only of my body, my choice, but that brings me to the issue of patriarchy. You know, you hear about patriarchy all the time, right? You hear about patriarchy, you see people that protest against or for patriarchy, they have signs that say patriarchy or down with the patriarchy, right? You know, what exactly is patriarchy? You ever looked up the definition of the word? It's a system of society or government in which the father or eldest male is head of the family and descent is traced through the male line. It is a system of society or government in which men hold the power and women are largely excluded from it. A society or community organized on patriarchal lines. By those definitions, in no way, shape, or form do we live in a patriarchy. Obviously, people that use that word are just repeating it because some intellectuals at a university told them to repeat it. But there's also the opposite of a patriarchy. There's also a matriarchy. A matriarchy is a system of society or government ruled by a woman or women, a form of social organization in which descent and relationship are reckoned through the female line, the state of being an older, powerful woman in a family or a group. By that definition, we have kind of both a patriarchy and a matriarchy. I mean, we have descent traced through mothers and fathers. If you're Jewish, I mean, Judaism is primarily matriarchal. It doesn't matter if your father's Jewish. It matters if your mother's Jewish. Judaism is matriarchal. A lot of the animal kingdom is matriarchal. A lot of Native American tribes were matriarchal. 
But that didn't mean men weren't powerful. That didn't mean men weren't in control or men weren't in charge or men weren't strong or men didn't do this or that. They came to the women because the women were wise. They came to the women because the women had experience, the older women in those tribes, in those communities. There's nothing wrong with a matriarchy. And there's nothing wrong with the patriarchy. If men are protecting their families, if men are protecting their children, if men are protecting their property, what's wrong with a patriarchy if that's the case? What's wrong with a matriarchy if that's the case? The answer is there's nothing wrong with a matriarchy or a patriarchy. But more to the point, the context of a patriarchy in relationship to all the things we're talking about tonight is a peculiar thing because people say the patriarchy wants to control women. It wants to control the bodies of women, right? It wants to control what women can do with their bodies. It wants to control women's uh, reproductive rights, right? It wants to control femininity. It wants to control the female form. It wants to control everything about the woman. Well, that's not really what patriarchy is. I mean, if you read the definition, it, it means one of two things or both that you know, society bases uh, its most, the most important thing in society is your lineage from, from the oldest male. Uh, it's a system or a society in which the father of the oldest male is the head of the family. Uh, by that definition, you know, the Catholic Church would be patriarchal. Uh, it's a system or society, of society or government in which men hold the power and women are largely excluded from it. Uh, women are not excluded from things in our society, folks. Women are astronauts. There's a vice president who's a woman. She did get there because she sucked some D. And that's a factual uh, statement. That's a true story. But uh, there are plenty of women in government. Uh, the governor of South Dakota, uh, she's a powerful woman. She doesn't count, though, right? Because she's not a Democrat. So she doesn't count, right? She doesn't count. But there are other women who do count, like the governor of Michigan. She counts because she is an absolute psychotic control freak. She counts. So by the definition of patriarchy, we don't live in a patriarchy because we don't have a system of government in which men hold all the power and women are excluded from it. That's not true. Women are not excluded from government. Women actually seem to be uh, the only interested sex in government nowadays. Men are so weak and pathetic on average, they don't want to do anything. Women have to stand up. Women have to run for Congress. Women have to run for the Senate. Women have to run for the presidency because men are either like Joe Biden or they're too scared to get off their ass or too lazy to get off their ass and do anything. It's largely women. Look at the most powerful voices in Congress. They're women. With the exception of a handful of men, they're all, almost all of them are women. Even when you're talking about on the other side of the political spectrum, Democrats, some of the loudest voices are, are women. Listen to AOC with her loud mouth, meth mouth, disgusting communist rhetoric. A woman. And, and that makes me question the influence of women on society. And it makes me think maybe there is actually a patriarchy. Because I can't help but think that women like Ilhan Omar and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez are being used as shields to advance an extremist agenda. Because they're women, it's harder to argue with them and debate what they have to say. Because they're women, and if you disagree with them, you hate women, right? I know that for a fact because on the other side, when people like Marjorie Taylor Greene speak or the lady from Colorado, I think she's from Colorado, I forget her name, Lauren something, 
uh, or, you know, when Christy Noem of South Dakota speaks, they don't seem to matter at all because they're Republicans. It's only the Democrat women who get to speak and they get to speak loudly and they get to speak um, obnoxiously and they get to scream and they get to lie like Cortez was never at the Capitol. She was across the street in another building. She was never going to, she said she thought she was going to be raped. It just makes me think that my body, my choice is advocating for promiscuity. It's advocating for rape. It's advocating for sacrament to, to death. It's advocating for all these terrible things where the, the beauty of, of the woman in the female form is reduced to a political talking point and a commodity where nudity is considered female empowerment, where abortion is considered female empowerment. As if we just never learned or we didn't care to learn about things like modesty. Before I go any further, I want you to know that I don't personally have an issue per se. It's a complicated, complex subject. I don't have an issue necessarily with the porn industry. I don't necessarily have an in, uh, 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 an issue with uh, legalized prostitution or brothels. I don't necessarily, again, it's complicated. I don't necessarily have an issue with abortion per se. But making pornography and making OnlyFans and making shaking your ass and your and your tits on social media and making abortion, making all these things the cornerstone of female empowerment it actually strips away the empowerment of the female. Because nudity in the porn industry, it's not controlled by women. It's largely controlled by men and the people that have all this money to subsidize the porn industry. They're the same people subsidizing, you know, like BlackRock subsidizing, you know, uh, big uh, corporations to promote their ideology. It's an industry in the porn industry, which... I'm not saying even all the porn industry is bad, but it's an industry that uh, it, it makes money off of women. Even if women agree to do it, it still makes money off of, of, of taking the woman's body, turning it into a product or a commodity, and selling it over and over and over and over and over again. Even when that woman is out of the industry, they still make immense profits by selling that woman's image. That's why a lot of porn stars have stopped you know, doing porn or they, you know, they, they, had, um, they had issues with the porn industry, not because of the because of uh, you know, some kind of physical abuse or something, but because of the because of the profiting off of off of their image, maybe that was their mistake. They didn't sign the right contract, whatever the case is. But that's just one example. Uh, nudity, OnlyFans, thinking that that is empowerment. That is the essence of patriarchy. Women don't hold any power. A uh, power, excuse me. Women don't hold any power. You think nudity is empowerment? No, modesty is empowerment. Modesty is empowerment because modesty means the way that you dress, the way that you act, it's a state of being unassuming. It's a state of being moderate in small amount, rare in the way that you behave, in your appearance, in order to avoid impropriety or indecency. And guess what happens when you're modest? From a man's perspective, 
a modest woman is not an easy woman, which makes the woman empowered. And I want women to actually think about this. If you're a woman and you don't act in a modest way, I'm not saying you have to dress like like a Quaker or you have to dress like a Puritan or you have to dress like the Amish. But if you're not modest, what in uh, what kind of uh, of what's the word I'm looking for here? What kind of incentive does a man have to treat you with respect? I mean, you should treat everybody with respect, but I'm saying as a woman, what incentive does a man have to treat you with respect to take you on a date to open a door for you if you're into chivalry? to buy you a dinner, to do anything for you. If he knows that no matter what he does, no matter how he acts, you're going to have sex with him anyway. What incentive does a man have to be a civilized human being? Okay, we don't, we don't live in a perfect world, folks. So to say, well, men should just be that way anyway. Well, okay, but we don't live in that world. We live in a world, everything is part of that world, animals, insects, plants, where we try to have a, a kind of civility and we try to be better than just animal nature and the way that things are outside of the four walls of our artificial lives that we create. We try to be civil. So men open doors for women. Men help women. Men are stronger than women. But women also have strength that men don't have and they benefit each other. But if a woman is not modest and a woman just gives herself away to anybody and everybody thinking that's empowerment. How's that empowerment? Just letting men use you. It's not empowerment at all. It's the opposite of empowerment. That is the patriarchy that you think you fight so strongly against. That is the patriarchy. I'm not saying you have to dress a certain way or act a certain way. I don't care how you dress or how you act. I'm simply saying that there is a patriarchy. And that patriarchy is behind the porn industry that patriarchy is behind OnlyFans. That patriarchy is behind making you think that in order to get a guy to like you, in order to get some kind of attention, you have to walk outside virtually naked. That you have to act in an uncivil way. That you have to be fake in order to get someone to like you. That's a larger cultural issue. But when you don't have modesty, and it goes for men too, when you're not modest, there's no mystery. There's nothing to search for. Everything's just given to you. You know, the way that femininity is portrayed and turned into a commodity and sold and exploited every single day, everywhere you go, everywhere you look, the way that that happens, that is the patriarchy. But it also happens to men too. And that is a a, a very... That is the matriarchy, if you will. There's a patriarchy and there's a matriarchy. It's not one or the other. But a patriarchy and a matriarchy can actually be a positive thing. If there's respect, if there's decency, if there's honor. A lot of animals have matriarchal communities. A lot of human societies still have matriarchal qualities uh, or communities. Some societies are patriarchal, some are matriarchal, some are not really either. We don't really have a matriarchy or a patriarchy here in the United States. But we do have a little bit of each. And the little bit that we have is really an abuse of both the masculine and the feminine. 
It's an exploitation of the masculine and the feminine. And this goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's almost like we're kind of regressing backwards where we don't fight with the people. We don't debate with the people that are making life at the very least perceptually more difficult, that are making life perceptually more uh, more uh, difficult to navigate and to, to pay for, making you know everyday average things more difficult to, to, uh, to attain. We have to work harder to pay for the increase in prices or whatever. We don't fight with the big banks, the big corporations, biotech, pharmaceutical companies, media. We don't fight with them. We fight amongst ourselves. It's men fighting women and women fighting men. It's men and women fighting LGBTQ and LGBTQ fighting men and women. It's everybody at each other's throats. Because Democrats are evil. Republicans are evil. And if you're a constitutionalist, you just don't matter at all. Your voice doesn't get heard at all because you don't believe in one of two extremes. Because when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And extremism is met with extremism. My body, my choice. Do what thou wilt. And do what thou wilt. It is the essence of, and you can say the end of that statement is love, but what is love? How do you define love? Because if you take love and distort it, it's evil. Spell it backwards, it's evil. Just like live, to live. The opposite of to live is to die. It is E-V-I-L-L-I-V-E. Evil. L-O-V-E, E-V-O-L. It is evil. Abortion is the patriarchy. Abortion controls women's bodies because a woman's body is designed to do more than anything else, give birth to new life. If abortion becomes a sacrament and it becomes the only thing that you're concerned with, in fact, obsessed with, it's the solution to the promiscuity. It's a solution to the lack of modesty and decency in society. You're taking the fundamental, natural ability of a woman to give life, to give birth, to bring life into the world which is why most societies have traditionally been matriarchal. You're taking that fundamental ability and that power away and convincing women that that is a negative, dark, evil thing. You're literally stripping away a divine ability, a divine power to give birth. Teaching women that if they take their clothes off, that's empowering. And then have an abortion, that's empowering. I think a lot of people have been duped. I think the patriarchy is alive, and I think the patriarchy is very, very well. The patriarchy wants you to be naked, wants to have sex with you, wants to abuse you, and then once you get an abortion after it's had its way with you. That's the patriarchy. That's abortion. That's nudity. That's OnlyFans. That's the porn industry. That's all of it. That is the patriarchy. But there's also a matriarchy that in its most extreme, fights back against that patriarchy. And that patriarchy in its most extreme fights back against the, the matriarchy. So that we're constantly fighting over, are men stronger? Are women stronger? Do women deserve more? Do men deserve more? No, men and women don't deserve anything. Gay people and straight people don't deserve anything. People deserve what they deserve based on merit, based on what they do, what they say, how they act, what they produce, 
how they participate in society. You do not deserve to get a slap on the wrist because you're a black person when you commit a crime. You do not deserve to go to jail longer because you're a white person when you commit a crime because of some misplaced sense of social racial justice. You do not deserve to have a dangerous community as a, as a black person because white people think they should defund the police and they should allow criminals to run wild in your neighborhood. You don't deserve that. But they teach you that you deserve that because less police means less crimes against black people. Actually, it means the opposite. It means more crimes against black people. The matriarchy and the patriarchy, they fight each other in the extreme. Convincing you that they exist in the first place. Pitting you against your family, against your wife, against your husband. Look at the people that got divorced because one or the other wouldn't get a, wouldn't get a vaccine. We're going to talk a little bit more about this when we come back from break. The matriarchy, the patriarchy, and a lot more. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's more after this. Don't go anywhere. From the occult and theology to history and the paranormal, The Secret Teachings Radio Show brings you that and more Monday through Friday on GroundZero.radio. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. If you're looking to learn more in 2023, then look no further than books from The Secret Teachings. The Technological Elixir explores UFOs, artificial intelligence, and demonic contracts in the entertainment industry. Liberty Shrugged is an illuminating and nonpartisan look into American history, focusing on natural law, slavery, and the war for independence. Food philosophy is not a diet book, but it does help alleviate confusion over food industry propaganda with specific focus on bizarre ingredients that are put into your foods. And Occult Arcana is a compendium of esoteric wisdom, from theology and sympathetic magic to witchcraft, voodoo, and the origins of holidays. Get physical and digital copies of these books only at www.thesecretteachings.info. And remember, all physical books also come with a digital copy as well. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. You know you can listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Radio. I don't need it. Or in the free archive on our website, thesecretteachings.info, or on any radio or podcast player or application. I don't need it. But you can also subscribe to our ad-free archive, now hosted by Aftermath.media. Definitely don't need it. There's the basic and premium option. You get the montages, my digital books, and more. For those of you who already have a Secret Teaching subscription, you can still keep that subscription. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info or aftermath.media and subscribe today. I need it! This is David Icke, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Why else would you show up with that thing on your back just three days before President Business is going to use the crackle to end the world? President Business is going to end the world? But he's such a good guy. And Octan, they make good stuff. Music, dairy products, coffee, TV shows, surveillance systems, all history books, voting machines. Wait a minute. Welcome to the darkness. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. Think about your hero. 
when you're at ground zero and call up to the fall of back to me. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of the secret teachings on Ground Zero Radio. You are listening to the below and the above, the microcosm and the macrocosm here on The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable, your host. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, this afternoon, tonight, whenever and wherever you are listening around the world. The music is White Bat Audio. Again, the show is The Secret Teachings. If you're just joining us, welcome to the broadcast. Hour number two tonight. You can, of course, listen on GroundZero.radio Monday through Friday. Listen and download the show in the free archive on any radio or podcast player or in our archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you're a subscriber there to get access to the ad-free show, you can resubscribe or go to Aftermath.media to subscribe to the premium version of the show, which gets you access to a lot more than The Secret Teachings. You also get access to Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis and a lot of other content, again, aftermath.media. We hold a tremendous number of double standards, and we hold on to a lot of hypocrisy in our media, in our entertainment, in our history, in our culture, and in our society. And here's a really sad and disturbing example of that hypocrisy and those double standards. Zachary Thompson, Clay County prosecutor, just yesterday evening, identified the shooter of a young black teenager in Kansas City. The shooter, Andrew Lester, an 84-year-old white man, says NPR. It has to, he has to, we have to know that he's white. Andrew Lester, an 84-year-old white man, shot Ralph Yarl, a 16-year-old high school junior, who survived the shooting on April 13th, released from the hospital just this Sunday and is now recovering at home with his family, according to the Kansas City Star. When asked whether he believes the shooting was racially motivated, the prosecutor, Zachary Thompson, said nothing of the nature is clear in the probable cause documents. He said Jarl and Lester didn't appear to have any interaction before the shooting. In other words, the media has painted this shooting as a young black kid who went up to the wrong house, the wrong address to pick up his young siblings. I'm not sure how you go to the wrong address if you've done it before. Maybe this is the first time he was picking up his siblings. He goes to the door, he knocks on the door, and this 84-year-old white man comes out and sees that this young kid has dark skin and immediately pulls his gun and shoots him because he doesn't like Negroes on his property. That's what NPR wants you to think. That's the image that they've cultivated and created. When you read further, you realize, well, the prosecutor can't actually say it's racially motivated. They don't know if it's racially motivated. It probably wasn't racially motivated. It was probably an old man. We don't know this old man's history, what drugs he's on, 
what kind of uh, condition of life he had. Was he panicky? Was he on something? We have no idea. We don't, we don't know anything about the kid really either. We just know he went up to the door. He's there innocent looking to pick his siblings up and he just gets shot. Andrew Lester, the 84-year-old, was hit with felony charges yesterday for shooting Ralph Yarl. But the thing is, NPR and others have neglected to mention uh, one important detail. When the young black kid had knocked on the door reportedly and Andrew Lester had come out, they say that they didn't have any exchange of dialogue, according to NPR. I'd imagine there had to have been some exchange of dialogue because Andrew Lester says, reportedly, I don't know if this is true, I didn't speak to the guy, but reportedly, that Ralph Yarl, who was just there to get his siblings, began pulling on the exterior door, trying to get into the house. Well, that changes the story pretty dramatically. Doesn't really make a lot of sense. I mean, if this guy comes to the door and says, you got the wrong address, why would the kid start pulling the door and try to get into the house? It doesn't, doesn't really make a lot of sense. Now, we don't know what happened in this particular case, but the media says they do know what happened, although they don't know factually if it was racially motivated. They do know what happened because they tell you a white man shot an innocent black man who was just trying to pick up his siblings. According to court documents, a witness told police that a vehicle pulled into Lester's driveway around 9.30 p.m. Pretty late. And uh, if you're going to pick up your siblings and you're going to do that at dark, better make sure you have the right house. And if the person at the house says, this isn't where your siblings are, uh, please leave. And then you try to break into the house, you're probably going to get shot. Lester told police during an interview that he had just laid down for the, um, for the evening when he heard the doorbell ring which he then he picked up his revolver, good for him, and opened the interior door. He saw a black male pulling on the exterior door and said he thought someone was trying to break in. So he fired two shots. Reportedly, no words were exchanged. Now, we don't know the, the background of this, this young black kid because he could have just innocently thought, hey, my siblings are inside. I'm going to go in and get them. The door's not opening. I'm trying to get the door open. Was he actually trying to rip it open or was he just like just in that moment when the doorbell rang and when the old man opened the door, this kid was trying to open the screen door, the exterior door for the first time, or was he really jiggling it and trying to get inside? That context matters a lot, of course. What doesn't make a lot of sense is if you're this 16-year-old kid and you go to pick your siblings up, it's 9.30 at night, you ring the doorbell, nobody comes to the door, and unless if you've been to this house before, you know that this isn't the, or if you've been to pick your siblings up before, you know this isn't the right house, right? This is not the right house. Uh, so this must have been the first time he was picking his siblings up. So he didn't know if he had the right house. If you don't know if you have the right house, then why are you trying to get into the house? Like if I didn't know if I had the right house, I'm not going to try to rip the door open that's locked. I would text somebody, call somebody. So that doesn't make any sense. He would know what house he had picked them up at before. If this was the first time, why would you try to rip the door open to a house? All the lights are off. Your siblings are supposed to be inside. Text somebody, call somebody. That doesn't make any sense. So the old man, 84 years old, he comes to the door with a revolver. He opens it, sees someone trying to rip his door open and shoots him. Prosecutors, of course, will say, well, you should have tried to defuse the situation. I would say, I did defuse the situation. I shot him. 
that diffuses the situation. But because of these bleeding hearts who love everybody so much, unless you're a law-abiding citizen, it's just white on black violence. That's, that's the way that they paint it. Now, the reason I bring that story up, despite what we talked about in the last segment, is because that's not the only story in the news of a, of a, of a similar incident. Here's another story. You're going to want to really pay attention to this one. A 20-year-old woman was shot dead by an upstate New York homeowner on Saturday night after the driver of the car she was riding in turned into the wrong driveway. Kayleen Gillis from Saratoga County was inside the vehicle with three pals when they made a wrong turn into a driveway while searching for a friend's house in the town of Hebron, the Washington County Sheriff's Office said as the driver of the car was leaving, so they pull in, they didn't try to break the door open, they pulled into the driveway and started to back out. Kevin Monahan, the owner of the home, the group that had actually pulled into the driveway of his house, fired two shots from his patio at the vehicle. Gillis was struck by one of the bullets. Monahan, 65, was arrested and charged with second-degree murder, Sheriff Jeffrey Murphy said during a Monday press conference. After the gunshots rang out around 10 p.m., Gillis and the friends drove away until they could help call for help in a neighboring town, according to Murphy, noting the area lacks reliable cell phone service. Gillis was pronounced dead when first responders reached the car. And here is Kaylin Gillis, killed Saturday night, pulling into the wrong driveway and trying to turn around and back up. Young, white, blonde woman. You'll notice nowhere in this particular article is there constant reference to the color of skin because the shooter, Kevin Monahan, who was charged with second-degree murder, is also white. So a white man shoots a white woman, didn't have any idea probably what color they were. It's 10 o'clock at night. You can't probably see in the car. We can assume, maybe you could see in the car. Uh, you would assume that if you couldn't see in the car, uh, it would be maybe more justification if they sat there in the driveway and you were telling them to leave and you couldn't see who it was and then you shot them maybe. But if they just pulled into the driveway and then immediately backed up and you just immediately shot at them, yeah, this guy should probably be charged with second-degree murder and he's probably going to go to jail. That's that's an understandable form of prosecution. That is a, an unjustified discharge of his weapon. That's wrong. And maybe the 84-year-old in this other case in Kansas City, maybe Andrew Lester was also wrong shooting the guy trying to break into his house. Maybe the guy wasn't trying to break into his house. See, the point here is an 84-year-old white man, 84-year-old white man kills a black kid who apparently doesn't know where his siblings are. And instead of texting or calling, maybe he didn't have a cell phone. He just knew it was this house that he had never been to. And since nobody answered the doorbell, and since the house was dark and his siblings weren't coming out, he tries to break into the house. Or maybe he was just jiggling the door and the old man thought he was trying to break in. He's 84 and he shot the kid. We don't know all the details. It's probably just mistaken identity. It's probably just this kid made a mistake where he was going. It's bad timing. The old man who's 84 shot him, and that's all that it is. It's not racially motivated. If it was racially motivated, they would tell you it's racially motivated. They just imply it and then tell you in the documents, in the legal documents, ah, the prosecutor's like, I can't, can't really say it's racially motivated. Exactly. You can't say it's racially motivated because it's not racially motivated. Because if anybody, Bill Burr, one of my favorite comedians, he, he did this great bit one time where he talked about uh, how 
in the in the, in the evening at nighttime, if you're in a parking garage alone and someone starts walking toward you, it doesn't matter what color their skin is. You're thinking something bad is about to happen. If someone's jiggling on my front door, I don't care if they're white or black. I'm making sure that I'm armed. I don't know who this person is. That doesn't mean I have to shoot them. But I don't know who this person is. So yeah, I'm going to be armed. And I'm probably going to point the gun at them and I'm going to tell them to leave. Actually, I'm probably going to tell them to get on the ground and put your hands behind your back and I'm going to call the police. If they proceeded or if they threatened me, then I would shoot them. Huge double standard though. Because an old white guy shoots a young white girl and it's, it's totally and absolutely unjustified based on the details of the story. This car just pulls in. I mean, I pulled into wrong driveways and backed up. It's like all of five seconds. And this man must have had his gun in his hand and immediately just opened fire. Yeah, that guy should go to jail. That's the improper use of your firearm. That is irresponsible. Yes, you should go to jail. But the media doesn't seem to care about that because it's white and white. But it's also a white woman. And that's what intrigues me. Because I thought we had to protect women. I thought we had to stand up for women. I thought we had to defend women. But a white girl, a young white girl, 20 years old, gets shot by some crazy white guy on his porch. Maybe he had PTSD. Maybe the kids have been pulling their cars into his driveway and doing drugs and he just had enough of it. A 20-year-old white girl is shot by a middle-aged white man and nobody seems to really care because it's not racially motivated or they can't imply racial motivation. Isn't it funny how the media works like that? Isn't it funny how they create victims and they create heroes and they create villains. Isn't that kind of funny how that works? You know, it's also kind of funny, but also kind of really, really disturbing is when transgender activists who are almost exclusively men protest against women who are actually women And they use the excuse that they are actually women themselves. They use the the excuse that they're women somehow to shout down, and this is literally and figuratively, uh, but to shoot down and to criticize and to mock and make fun of and prevent a real woman from actually Speaking, and yes, I am referring to the University of Kentucky swimmer Riley Gaines, who says that she wants to stop discrimination against female athletes. And I am 100% on Riley Gaines' side when it comes to this issue. Former Kentucky swimmer Riley Gaines, about two dozen demonstrators outside the NCAA convention on Thursday, um, protested the inclusion of transgender athletes in women's sports and threatened the association with legal action if it doesn't change its policies. Gaines competed in last year's NCAA Swimming and Diving Championship against Penn State's, or is it Penn State's, uh, uh, Penn State's, Leah Thomas, the first transgender woman to win a national title. You mean the first man to win a national title dressed like a woman. 
And because of that, Riley Gaines and other women have to suffer the consequences. Why don't these women matter? Why don't these women have any kind of social, cultural protections? Why don't the rhetoric of these women, why doesn't the rhetoric of these women matter? And you know, people protested her speech, by the way. You know who protested a speech and a group of almost exclusively women, a group of almost exclusively men pretending to be women so they could scream, so they could yell, so they could express obscenities toward actual women. I want you to think about that for a second. Think about the dichotomy there. Think about the, uh, the, the, the nature of that. It literal men dressed like women protesting a literal woman saying, I want men out of women's sports. Now, who is in the wrong here? Who is actually being abused here? Who is being threatened here? It's not the big, fat, disgusting men dressed like women. It's the actual women. And I hope that women are starting to recognize this if they hadn't recognized it before years in the past. I hope you're beginning to recognize this now, women. All the ladies listening to this show. All the ladies listening to this show, I hope you realize that men are coming after you dressed like women so that you don't feel as threatened. Men are coming after you. Men are replacing you in the name of equality and gender. And this isn't just about wokeism and Marxism, which is what it is, class warfare. This is about ending gender and sexuality entirely. This is about eliminating heterosexuality and homosexuality. So there is no gender, there is no sex, there is no procreation, there is no orgasm. That's not a theory. That's a prediction that George Orwell wrote uh, about in 1984. They would eliminate the orgasm. Aldous Huxley, his mentor, literally took that idea that he actually gave to Orwell in concept and expanded on it. But it wasn't so much an idea as it was a plan where Aldous Huxley said the future will involve babies that are born in hatcheries. There really won't be parents except, well, the, the state guardians. That's where we're headed. Probably not in my lifetime, but we're headed there pretty quickly. Hopefully not in my lifetime. Maybe in my lifetime. Maybe within the next 10 years. I don't know. But letting men participate in women's sports is discrimination against women. That is the patriarchy that has found a way to abuse and torture and literally beat women. Think about that. Just the, the power of that word. Literally, men dressed as women who get to protest real women and who get to beat women in the name of gender inequality. I mean, we'd all agree that it's not, it's not okay to hit uh, a woman. It's probably not okay to hit a man either. You should respect the strength that that man probably has to beat you to death. But a man probably shouldn't hit a woman either because he should respect the fact that women are usually less, less strong and less able to, to physically defend themselves. 
That's just a nat- that's just the nature of reality. M- women should also, again, remember, I'm going to say it twice, to respect men, and probably you shouldn't hit men either. You should respect that most men could probably beat you to death with one hand. But again, women should should also, as they respect that, uh, they should encourage men to respect that women shouldn't be hit. However, if you're a woman and you lay your hands on a man and you attack him and you hit him and you try to do stuff to him, he should have a right to beat you to within an inch of your life, period. I am not the kind of person who says don't hit a woman. Just like Bill Burr said, there are plenty of reasons to hit a woman. You just don't do it. But if a woman attacks me, I'm going to defend myself, period. If a man attacks me, I'm going to defend myself, period. Call me whatever you want to call me. But what I'm saying is men dressed as women protesting a woman who just wants equality and they're doing that in the name of equality so they can literally beat women. Oh, there's something just so evil about that. I'm going to say it again. Men who literally pretend to be women so they can beat up on women. And not only is it okay and legal, it's considered a virtue to do so. That is that is some real deep psychology there, isn't it? That's what you get in the case of uh, Riley Gaines. Very, very brave woman, by the way. Not many people are willing to risk everything at a very young age to stand up for what is right. And she doesn't even look like, um, she doesn't look like she's doing this for any kind of, you know, you look, look at her and listen to her speech. She doesn't look like she's doing this for popularity. She looks like she's furious and she's pissed. And so are all the other women that stand next to her. She's pissed. These, these women are pissed because men are beating them and it's considered a virtue. There's something very, very, very wrong here. Actually, let me take you back to the March uh, principles, the eight March principles for human rights-based approach to criminal law, prescribing conduct associated with sex, reproduction, drug use, HIV, homelessness, and poverty. That's the title of a report published by the Geneva-based International Commission of Jurists, UNAIDS, and the Office of the Nation, uh, United Nations High Commission for Human Rights, where in that document they say, that sex, drug use, HIV, sexual and reproductive health, homelessness and poverty should be decriminalized. The document does not just uh, say that. It actually says sexual conduct involving persons below the domestically prescribed minimum age of consent to sex may be consensual in fact, if not in law. So for some reason, the United Nations is advocating for homelessness, drugs, poverty, abortion, underage sex, and HIV. Well, if they think it's, and a lot of people think it's a virtuous thing, oh, don't be mean to homeless people. We're not being mean to homeless people. I was homeless. I didn't want to be homeless. I wanted to get off the streets. The only people that don't want to get off the streets are people that make it work for them or people that are on drugs. Communities can help those people get off the streets. Shouldn't encourage it. Shouldn't encourage poverty. Shouldn't encourage abortion. Shouldn't encourage drug use. Shouldn't encourage sex with minors, which is now legal in California. As long as you're under a certain age and within a certain age of the person you have sex with, even if it's rape. I mean, these people really are demonic. They are really evil. 
literally, we make beating women a virtue. You might say, who's beating women? Who, who, who's, who's touching women? Uh, all the fat men in dresses that pretend that they're women so they can beat women in sports and call that a virtuous, glorious, wonderful, beautiful thing. No, it's sick and it's sexist and it needs to stop. And the feminists have realized now that they've lost their voice because classical feminists, even people like J.K. JK Rowling, no matter how much money you have, this woman gets death threats against her because she says there are biological uh, aspects to nature, components to nature, and um, men are men, women are women. It's based on biology, you know, and that's just a fact. And people want to boycott Harry Potter, but they don't do a really good job at that because they like it. So they have a double standard there as well. So they boycott her new stuff, not Harry Potter. You ever notice that they boycott her new stuff and say they don't they don't want her to make any more money. That woman's already made a trillion dollars. She doesn't need any more money. She can say whatever she wants and once and you can't touch her. That's why she's a threat. Because she, she can't uh, you can't uh, you can't tear someone like that down. They've got too much money and too much power and too much influence that scares the mob because that means the mob isn't in control. That's why Elon Musk pisses so many people off because Elon Musk has virtually unlimited funds, unlimited influence, and limited power. They can't control that directly. Even if Elon Musk has ulterior motives, which he certainly does with his AI and his robots, they can't control him directly. Donald Trump, they can't control him directly, maybe indirectly. I don't even like Donald Trump. I think he was a terrible president for the most part. Wouldn't vote for him. But you know what? Donald Trump was, in a sense, an outsider. He wasn't part of the same elite establishment. That's what terrifies these people. Because they want to be in power. They want to be in control. They want to control the narrative. They are the anointed ones, like Thomas Sowell wrote about. The anointed ones, the elites. You don't have to have money to be an elitist. And a lot of people with money can't be elitists because of their viewpoints on the world, on certain issues. This is a cult that we're dealing with. A cult that beats up women in the name of protecting women. A cult that says down with the patriarchy while promoting all of the things that are in opposition to femininity. Promiscuinity and abortion, nudity and selling the body as a, as a commodity, as a, as, a, as a cheap thing. That's all supposed to be female empowerment. When in fact, that's the patriarchy, folks. The patriarchy wants to have sex with you, force you to have sex with you, and convince you that it's your decision. And then when you get pregnant, the patriarchy wants you to have an abortion. That's the only solution to your problems. Because a baby, because a child, because a family is too powerful. So they can't have families. And they can't have men and women getting along with each other. And they can't have men and women getting along with themselves. They have to be the, upper, the other sex. That's the real patriarchy. And then you look at documents like this from the United Nations, that eight March principles, and they say, well, let's decriminalize pedophilia. Let's decriminalize uh, poverty and homelessness. It's like those things are decriminalized, but just because you're homeless doesn't mean you have to do drugs and live on the street. I was homeless. I didn't do drugs and live on the street. 
Just because you're homeless doesn't mean you do those things. I mean, that in and of itself is offensive. There are plenty of homeless people that just need help. They want help. It's hard to get that help because those lifestyles, the drugs, the poverty, the homelessness, that's encouraged. Now it's being encouraged by the United Nations because they want a whole world that is equal, where you own nothing and you're happy. A world where you're equal to the poorest person next to you. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More after this. Don't go anywhere. From para-history and the paranormal to the parapolitical and para-occult, you're listening to The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Want to hear more of The Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. You know you can listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Radio. I don't need it. Or in the free archive on our website, thesecretteachings.info, or on any radio or podcast player or application. I don't need it. But you can also subscribe to our ad-free archive, now hosted by Aftermath.media. Definitely don't need it. There's the basic and premium option. You get the montages, my digital books, and more. For those of you who already have a Secret Teaching subscription, you can still keep that subscription. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info or aftermath.media and subscribe today. I need it! There is something seriously and severely wrong with the direction of our society and our culture. This whole idea of do whatever you want to do because, well, you have a fear of missing out. You only live once. That really is just another version of do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. And a lot of people correct me and say, but the whole of the law is love. And I say, well, how do you define love? Is it like love, sex, drugs, and all those things, you know, the intelligence agencies that used the hippie movement to advance their own agenda. They hijacked it and used it to advance the state agenda. And this is the same kind of thing that happens with any kind of intelligence operation. Operation Trust in communist Russia targeted anti-communists. 
The 100 Flowers campaign in communist China targeted anti-communists by encouraging people to express their opinions and views about the Communist Party. Donald Trump is the 100 Flowers president, as I've called him 100 or more times, because he's allowed the state to isolate anybody who truly cares about America, even conceptually, and to target those people and put some of them in jail as political prisoners, and even try to put him in jail as a political prisoner, despite the fact that if you want to be fair, you could put probably most presidents in a courtroom, probably an international courtroom for crimes against humanity. But that's not going to happen to George Bush. You want to go after George Bush? I'm all about it. Let's go after George Bush. Let's go after George Bush for war crimes. But he's a Republican and you're a Republican. No, I'm not a Republican. Let's go after George Bush. Let's, you want to go after presidents? Let's go after George Bush for war crimes. You want to go after Trump? Yes, let's go after Trump. Let's go after Trump for putting Israel before America. Let's go after Trump for selling arms to the Saudis. Let's go after Trump for continuing operations in the Middle East. You want to go after Trump? Let's go after Trump for those things, things he's actually guilty of. Not hurting your feelings politically and emotionally. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Love. Love of what? You know what love is without passion? You know what love is without spirit and soul? Love without those things is an inversion. And how do you spell L-O-V-E backwards? E-V-O-L. It is evil. Just like live. If you're not living, the opposite of living, death, spiritually and or physically is E-V-I-L is evil. You only live once, though. You have a fear of missing out. Do what thou wilt. And you know what comes out of that? My body, my choice. It's your body, your choice by making decisions about things that you have no context for, that you have no experience in. Screaming and yelling about the patriarchy, the patriarchy. You know what the patriarchy wants you to do? The patriarchy wants you to be subservient to the male class in power. You know who that male class in power is? The Bushes, the Obamas, the Bidens, the same people that have been there generation after generation. That's the patriarchy, but you support them because they have blue on their side. You know what the patriarchy wants you to do? The patriarchy wants you to take your clothes off, open your legs, no birth control, get pregnant, and then have an abortion so you can kill that baby or kill that potential life as a sacrament to their Lord, to their God, whatever it is, the devil, whatever. Nudity and abortion are tools of the patriarchy. Because when you think about female empowerment, you know what's empowering? And no, I'm not a woman. Maybe I can identify as one just for a second here. But I'm not a woman. But from a male perspective, when I see a woman that is dressed provocatively, I might think, oh, she's got, you know, nice face or she's got some nice boobs or, you know, we, we analyze each other as human beings, male and female. Men look at women, women look at men. Men look at men, women look at women. Okay, so I'm not telling you a secret here, okay? I look at a woman once in a while, I'm like, ah, she's pretty. Usually it's, you know, her face. If she's not wearing makeup and dressed like a whore, I, uh, I think she's prettier. But my point here is, you might find me to be offensive, and that's totally fine. Repulsive even, that's totally fine. 
But what I'm suggesting here is that you examine modesty for a second. If you're thinking about female empowerment, because you know what modesty is? Modesty, we don't even have to define it. If you'd like to define it, you can go look at a dictionary. It's basically the, uh, the state of being unassuming. Which means modesty allows a woman to conceal part of her beauty. To make a man work to get to that beauty. Whether that's mentally or physically. Without modesty, men don't really have any incentive to be kind or to open doors or to help women. You might say, well, men should be that way anyway, no matter how a woman dresses. Uh, uh, yeah, I agree. But again, we look at each other and everything we look, I mean, even if it's friends of ours, I mean, you've probably thought of a friend of yours once or twice, even if you don't think of them sexually, your, your, your brain is still programmed to see people in sexual ways. Even men, that's why men get so, you know, I've seen people at the gym fighting over <laughs> who's got bigger muscles. It's, it's ridiculous, very animalistic. Men, men, women, 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 men, men, women, doesn't matter. Modesty, though, is a really important thing I want you to think about tonight because modesty empowers the female. Modesty makes the man work for what he desires and what he wants. If there is no modesty, the man has no incentive. It's just like with crime. If there is no incentive to be a good law-abiding citizen, People, just for the hell of it, commit crimes and make society more dirty and more dangerous. And a less social, cohesive, and civilized place to live. Modesty in all things is what we should be working towards. Don't just give things away. What incentive does giving things away, what incentive does that create? For people that want to build a life and, and work and become an American. It gives them no incentive. In fact, de-incentivizes that. I mean, for that matter, what incentive does a man have to be a man when a woman acts in those ways, when a woman is promiscuous? What incentive does a man have to be respectful when he can get anything and everything he wants without ever having to try or open a door or tell a woman she looks pretty or anything? What incentive does a man have? Furthermore, men should think about it in the other way. Flip it around. What incentive does a woman have to be a woman or to take care of her partner or to be kind or to tell the truth when the, oh, again, you could say, well, you should be doing that anyway. And I agree. But what incentive does a woman have to do those things when men act in the same kind of barbaric ways that women act in? What incentive does a woman have to be honest when men do terrible things, when men cheat on their partners? What incentive does a woman have? What incentive does a man have? See, th this goes both ways. And as above, so below, inside and out, that which is above is below. That's why I can speak on this, even though I'm not a woman, because I know from a male point of view, that's how it is. And therefore, by a female point of view, that's how it is. Just slightly different context. Because men hunt and women nurture. Men are insertive and women are inserted into. Men are active and women are passive. This is the yin-yang or the yad-yum. These are the forces of nature. It's a game. It's a dance. 
If you take modesty out of the, the equation, you take civility out of the equation. You take away all the nice things. You got women running around all on social media. I'm a queen. I'm this. I'm that. Well, then act like one. Act like one then. Act like a queen. Be modest. Have manners. Be courteous. What incentive does a man have if you don't act that way? He's going to act the same way. And you know what you attract magnetically when you act that way? When you dress that way, as, as a matter of fact, when you're promiscuous and when you don't care about anything except getting what you want in the moment, when there's no modesty, when there's no uh, self-conditioning or self-respect, you magnetically attract all those assholes Men and women, for that matter. All those assholes that you don't don't really get along with in the end. They might be hot for a day, or they might be cool for a day, or they might be this, or they might be that. But they end up just being assholes. And then women get upset. Why can't I find the right man? And women get abused. Why can't I find someone who treats me with respect? Because you don't respect yourself. That's why. You don't respect yourself. You don't respect your mind. You don't respect your body. You think stupidity... And you think flaunting the most intimate physical parts of yourself are the way to attract men. And it will attract men. It will just attract the lowest level, the lowest, uh, the lowest segment of society. You want to attract a real man? Act like a real woman. You want to attract a real woman? Act like a real man. People are desperate for it. Because the patriarchy is convincing men and women that the only way to live together and to function with one another is to abuse each other. That's what the real patriarchy wants. Nudity, sex without any consequences, and abortion. That's the real patriarchy that masquerades as opposition to the patriarchy. Just like Antifa. They're anti-fascists. No, they're actually literally fascists because they support big government. They support the corporate biomedical, biopharmaceutical state. They support genetic engineering. They support forced vaccines and forced drugs. They support forced drugging of the water supply. They support genetically uh, genetically modified foods and animals and everything else. They support the corporate banking police state. Those people are the fascists because that's Mussolini's definition of fascism. They're not anti-fascists. All the people that tell you they're against the patriarchy, they are the patriarchy. And again, I know that because modesty is empowering. Modesty encourages proper behavior. Modesty encourages and incentivizes good behavior for both men and for women. And the answer to your perception of extreme patriarchy is not extreme matriarchy. Because that's just as bad. Otherwise, patriarchy, matriarchy, these are just systems of living. Animals have matriarchal uh, uh, communities, and some have patriarchal communities. Some human societies have matriarchal communities, some have patriarchal communities. Patriarchy and matriarchy are not necessarily bad things. They just convince you that they're bad things. And we should... Let's say historically speaking, we should remember men and women for what they did to better their society and our world, regardless of their skin color, their genitalia, or their religion. 
You know, there are plenty of women throughout history that get forgotten because they had viewpoints that we disagree with today. And there are plenty of men who get forgotten in history because they have viewpoints we disagree with today. In the sense that, if you read my new book, Liberty Shrugged, I have a couple of chapters where I discuss this. I have a chapter on the women of the American Revolution. Look up some of these names. Sybil Luddingham, Luddington, Deborah Sampson, uh, Anna Elizabeth Dickinson, Abigail Adams, you probably know her, Mrs. James Warren, Esther DeBart Reed, Mercy Otis Warren, Nancy Morgan Hart. Look up some of those names. I have a whole chapter on those women in my book, Liberty Shrugged. It's a pretty big chapter. It tells about what those women did historically, who they were. Just a few examples. And how they influenced and how they changed the world. Yeah, a lot of women get forgotten from history, not because they didn't do something significant, but because history has largely been a, a, a male game. Wars are largely fought by men. Governments are usually run by men. So those are the things that change society and drive society forward that lead to the collapse and the building of empires. A lot of times women are at the center of that, you know, because women control essentially lineage, genetically, gender, and sexually speaking. Uh, the whole world is matriarchal. Kings need women to have a, a son, to carry on their line. That is patriarchal, but needing the woman is matriarchal. And when we eliminate both the male and the female, we eliminate the orgasm and we start to replace those relationships, those families with the state. Well, that creates a world where there's no love, there's no joy, there's no happiness, there's no children, unless they're drones that are hatched by the state to do the bidding of the state. And ooh, that is such a dangerous, dangerous, and terrifyingly dystopian future. Thomas Jefferson believed that women could be protected, only be protected, from brute force by the overcoming of barbarism. He said, women are submitted to unjust drudgery. This, I believe, is the case with every barbarous people. With such, force is law. The stronger sex, therefore, imposes on the weaker. It is civilization alone which replaces women in the enjoyment of their natural equality. The first, teachers, uh, the first teaches us to subdue the selfish passions and to respect those rights and others which we value in ourselves. Where we, in equal barbarism, our females would be equal drudges. Civilization, modesty, that's what makes people equal. The rule of law makes people equal. And in fact, most of our founding fathers in America were blamed for sexism. Oh, really? Professor Thomas West points out that the founders thought laws allowing sexual license, ignoring the real differences between the sexes, and not just allowing, but pushing women into the job market, threaten women's liberty and well-being. Very well said. That's exactly what it does. Not just allowing, but pushing artificially women into the job market. Telling women that being at home with children which some women would like to do, and some men would like to do that. But if you convince women that being at home with children is a negative thing, 
is a weightful thing that they should not bear, not only are you taking away, because if they've had children, it's very likely that they've, they've wanted a family. Most people have had more than one child. They probably wanted a family, even if it's subconscious. So if you have a family, you, you probably desire that to some capacity. To force someone socially and culturally to get a job and to leave those children behind, to leave the home behind, that means that even if men want to do that job, you've relegated that job to the, a, a corner. You swept it under the rug. That means raising a child and taking care of a home, a sacred space, is useless, worthless, nothing. No, it's pointless. You've demeaned that job, both the role of a woman or the role of a man, whoever does it. And if you ignore the differences between the sexes, then you are threatening a woman's liberty and her well-being. That's why I don't stand behind many people. And I might not agree with her politics overall, but I stand next to Riley Gaines, politically speaking. I stand next to her emotionally speaking. I can't imagine what it's like to be a, uh, to be a semi-professional, a college athlete, to work so hard to get there. And then a man in a woman's swimsuit beats you, and they call that a good thing, and it's virtuous. And when you give a speech about protecting women's rights, a bunch of fat, disgusting, mentally retarded men put dresses on and protest you because they want the not legal right, they want the moral right to beat women and call that empowerment. It is sick, It is disgusting, and it is the epitome of evil. We talk about all kinds of things when it comes to women and men, don't we? We talk about a wage gap, a gender gap. The wage gap suggests that since some women make less money than some men, they must therefore be considered unequal by society and the United States government. Because that makes sense. Except women simply tend to have lower paying jobs in general. Women tend to do jobs that you traditionally make less money in. There are countless women who make far more than men. This is why I say all the time, I have been the victim of more discrimination on average than most women have and most black people have because white men in our society today are treated as if they are nothing. But that doesn't make me a victim. It just gives me perspective on the people who have black and white women, etc., who have experienced discrimination. Now, I do know what it feels like to be segregated because I don't want to take a shot. I do know what it feels like to be segregated because I don't want to wear a mask or because I have political opinions that are different than yours and your opposition. I know what it's like to be segregated, to be called names, to be demeaned and to be degraded in front of my face like I'm worthless, like I'm nothing. I know what it feels like. I can sympathize and empathize with people in the past. Maybe not to the severity of some groups, but I can feel that. I can understand that. I can grasp that. I can see that. And when I was employed at various jobs over the years, it was always the same, same, same story. I'd get hired, maybe with experience, and then they would hire someone with no experience and pay them more because they were a woman or pay someone who was Indian or black more money. Just be same job, and I'm talking about retail jobs because they were a different skin color. And that's not reparations. Those people didn't earn that. 
And if they did, great, they deserve it. I worked at the co-op grocery store. They hired so many people there just because of the color of their skin or their gender or their sexual identity. Didn't matter. Even white men that identified as those things, white men got that privilege. So much for white privilege, right? Because if you're, if you're gay and you're white and you're a man, that's okay then. You get all the privileges in the world. But if you're a straight white man, that's different. I've watched people get paid more money than me because of the color of their skin, get paid more money than me despite the fact that they don't have the skills that I have. I've seen that firsthand. I've experienced that firsthand. It doesn't make me hate those people. It makes me dislike the system that masquerades as equality, justice, social justice. There are countless women who make way more money than men. And there are many who make far more than they deserve based on merit, just like there are plenty of men who make a lot of money when they probably shouldn't be. There are plenty of women in leadership roles, high-powered jobs, high-paying jobs, and the like. So there's nothing except personal doubt and will standing between women and their goals of becoming successful outside of traditional gender roles. It's just your own will to fight and to get to where you want to go. If you want to be a coal miner, I don't know many women that are coal miners, you could probably get that job. I just don't think many people, including big, strong men, want to be coal miners. That's a super dangerous, super dangerous, super unhealthy, super deadly job. Not many women want to do that. Forcing women into that level of equality using coal mining, let's say, as an example, it's absurd. It's one thing if a woman wants to do a job outside the home. It's another thing to force her into positions that are dangerous, jobs that are dangerous. Like, do you really want to go into the military? Like, as a man, I don't want to be in the military. I'll defend my, I defend my family and my home, you know, if foreign soldiers are on my street. But I don't want to be in the military. I mean, if, you want to be a, if you're a woman, you want to be in the military, then fulfill the requirements, and you can. Nothing's stopping you from doing that except yourself. But you know what's sick is when you teach women that this patriarchy is out to get them. The patriarchy is preventing you from having a good job or the patriarchy is preventing you from earning enough money or the patriarchy is doing this or the patriarchy is doing that. So you know how you can make money? Take your underwear off and show us your butthole on OnlyFans and then you'll make a lot of money because you'll be empowered. You see the psychology of it? It's sick. People also do other stupid stuff like advocate for more women astronauts. We did a whole show on women astronauts. You know who developed the vertical takeoff and landing for SpaceX and Blue Origin? A woman, an Indian woman. She designed the, 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 the equations, or I don't know how, how this works in, in uh, rocketry, but she designed the systems to launch those rockets into space and bring them back. An Indian woman did that. I think a woman also holds the record for the most time spent in space. You know, you think of women like Sally Ride and so many other astronauts. You can be an astronaut. Do you know how many people get into the astronaut program, though? Like, not many. And if you do, you probably aren't going to be on a space shuttle anytime soon. Women can, can become astronauts. It's just not many women want to be astronauts. Not many men want to be astronauts. Go take a poll. Ask 100 men and 100 women, do you want to be an astronaut? You know how many people you're going to find that say yes? And that's a job that traditionally in terms of the intensity of it, is a, is a male role. So more men are probably going to say yes, but if you have two out of 100 men that say yes, they'd like to be astronauts, and one woman, and all three of them apply, the chances of any of them making it are slim to none. 
So it's taking something so grossly out of context. It's such a distortion of reality to say and to do stuff like that. There's plenty of women in that profession. All these suggestions about inequalities and perceived injustice and injustices, it's just a slap in the face to other women who actually accomplish these things. Suggest that women can't do these things, so they need men to step down and step out of the way so they can take charge. That's so offensive. You know what that is? That's misogyny. Suggest that women can't get anywhere unless men help them, which means men getting out of the way. It's the same kind of policies for black or African Americans or whites or the relationships between the two. The only way black people can be successful is if white liberals get out of the way. Or give them free stuff. Because black people are just too stupid, of course, to take care of themselves. All the black doctors and nurses and all the black soldiers and all the black people that have been successful in entertainment and media and professional sports, etc., 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 etc. They don't matter. They're still oppressed. They're not successful. A system of true systemic racism holding People down, telling them you're not successful even though you are successful. You still live in a world where people want to lynch you. You realize this is all coming from the same ideology. It wants men and women to fight. It wants black and white to fight. Black and black to fight. White and white to fight. Because it is, it is, it is chaos incarnate. And it tells you that your job in a home, your job taking care of children is insignificant. And that means even if men do it. It tells you that women can't do these jobs, so men need to step out of the way. True misogyny, women can't do it unless a man helps them. Abortion is a sacrament. Nudity, that's empowerment. Not modesty, where it incentivizes good, moral, ethical behavior. Modesty is controlling, though, they say, when it's actually empowering. This is extremism on every side of the spectrum, convincing you, tricking you into thinking you're either a victim or an oppressor, and it's not just racism and, quote, slavery. If you're interested in learning about some of these things, you can check out my book, Liberty Shrugged. It's available at www.thesecretteachings.info. Remember, tomorrow morning I'll be on the American Journal with Kristen uh, Harris, who will be guest hosting that show on Infowars right before Alex Jones comes on. I should be on sometime in the first hour, but you can find the video feed and, and check it out. There'll be, I'm sure, an archive of it after the fact. That's Infowars.com. If you'd like to become a subscriber of The Secret Teachings, go to Aftermath.media and subscribe today. If you're already a subscriber on our website, you can resubscribe at www.thesecretteachings.info. Please grab a copy of Liberty Shrugged. Please grab a copy of Occult Arcana. Digital or physical copies are available. If you have any questions, email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. And uh, I just want to say that I appreciate those of you who understand and who actually listen to uh, the entirety of the show and who get the context of everything I'm saying, rather than hearing one thing you might think you disagree with and then screaming at me. Because I get a lot of people that do that. And uh, that's just annoying. So thank you so much for listening and hearing and giving me feedback, which is usually feedback that's in context and 
feedback that's uh, that's rational and uh, written in a way that I can actually understand it rather than just capital letters in an email with no punctuation. rdgable at yahoo.com, tstradio at protonmail.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you on the next broadcast.